Tetevet Tafshin Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Welcome one and all to this week's edition of The Israel Show. We're coming to you live immediately following JM and DM as we do each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time. And we thank you all for joining us and making us a part of your week. Lots of stuff coming up. We're going to talk about the uh, Israel's yet again amazing hit in uh, Syria, attacking a building in Beirut and killing a major terrorist uh, mastermind. We'll tell you about, um, let's see what else we're going to talk about today. Oh, the, the, the major controversy about Shovrim Shtika. And we'll give you some um, nice news. Yes, we have some nice news as well. Um, just to keep you updated quickly, Israel uh, is threatening um, the Israeli um, Union. The Israel is threatening a major strike on Wednesday, a public sector strike, meaning uh, usually that means schools and and so forth. So uh, those of you living in Israel, keep uh, keep your eye out for that. Not exciting news per se, and um, we also are going to post a little bit later on 
a video of Israel's latest um, anti-rocket rocket. It's called Sharvit Ksamim. It's like a magic wand, I guess, is the uh, translation in English, which is the the next generation of the Iron Dome. It's it's supposed to be much better, much um, can strike from longer range rockets that are much bigger than the missiles that uh, have been coming in from uh, from Aza and so forth. We'll post the uh, Israeli uh, government's uh, video that they release. We'll post it on our Facebook page after the show at some point, so you can. Marvel at the awesomeness of um, Israeli technology. Really, really, Baruch Hashem. It is amazing. Sharvit HaKsamim. And we have more great information and some nice news, happy news from Israel as well. We have debuts of songs from Gal Nir, Alon Oliarchik, Noam Banai, and more, and a few old classics as well. So stay with us for the hour. On uh, Sunday, I believe it was, Israeli Air Force, according to foreign sources, the Israeli Air Force bombed a particular building in a suburb of Damascus, which is the capital of what's left of Syria. And in that building, believe it or not, was a major terrorist figure that Israel has been wanting to get their hands on for a long time. Well, they had their hands on him. And they gave it up, but they've been looking for him for a while, and they found him. They found Samir Kuntar, that's his name, Samir Kuntar. Surprisingly, a lot of people find it surprising, Samir Kuntar wasn't a Muslim. He's a Druze, and the Druze usually get along very well with the Jews, the Jews and the Jews. But um, he, as a very young man already, started his anti-Israel campaigns, and Israel believes he was at the head of a new terror organization that was based in Syria, in Damascus, planning major, major attacks on Israel, and therefore they had to take him out. This wasn't a revenge killing per se, even though a lot of people in Israel would like to take revenge on him, Um, and we'll tell you in a moment why, but uh, they believe that this is something that will be... uh, will stop a uh, an expansion of organized terror against Israel that was that was being developed over there in Syria in that chaos Israeli newspapers point out some of the analysts point out something very interesting there had to be considering that that Russia is now poised has they have radars and rockets and and, and such a strong presence in Syria the Russians must have agreed to allow this to happen. There must have been some some interaction between Israel and Russia and some coordination so that the Russians would let this happen. Um, it's also somewhat of a risk because if, God forbid, Hezbollah decides that this hit of one of their people was too big to uh, look the other way, they will try to strike Israel as a revenge. Last night, several rockets fell in the Galil. That was sort of like a little high knock on the door, high. Remember us. Don't, you think you can go kill our people and we're not going to retaliate. But nothing, nothing major. The question is if anything major will happen in the north. And Israel doesn't want there to be anything because Israel's very happy that Hezbollah is totally consumed by the Syrian civil war, and that's one of the reasons it's been relatively quiet on the northern border of Israel. Hezbollah is part of this Syria mess, Syria, ISIS, and uh, the various different factions that are fighting there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're giving a lot of blood, thankfully, oh, um, in uh in Syria, that is, Hezbollah is. So who was Samir Kuntar? At the age of 16, at the age of 16, he led what has become to be an iconic terrorist mission. It was 1979, April the 22nd. Four terrorists got on a little boat from Lebanon to Israel. He, Samir Kuntar, was the leader of this mission. 
they had specific instructions. They were to kill an Israeli policeman. They were to take civilian hostages and bring them back to Beirut, to, uh, to Lebanon. Nothing has changed. That's 1979. We think things have changed. Well, they did this. This is exactly what they did. They, uh, they came to, uh, a building that they found after they landed on the shore. They knocked on the door and they yelled out to the, uh, to the owner of the house who asked who was it on the intercom. They yelled out in Arabic, which obviously frightened the residents and the first, their first instinct was to call the police. And of course the terrorists knew that that's what they would do because they wanted to kill the policeman. And in fact, that's what happened. The first policeman to respond, Eliyahu Shachar, Hashem Yikom Damo, was killed by massive gunfire of Samir Kuntar and his group. Having uh, accomplished their number, goal number one, which is killing a policeman, now they wanted to kidnap some civilians. They went to a uh, apartment building on Jabotinsky Street in Naharia, and their plan was to kidnap some people and take them back to Lebanon. And here again, we see, we forget, we forget. They, they broke into the apartment of a recent immigrant from South Africa. His name is Charles Shapiro. He's 34 at the time. But Shapiro was armed. He had a 22 caliber Magnum revolver and he shot one of the terrorists dead and they ran away. Yes. That, that is the difference, I believe, as we always say, between Israel and the United States. Well, the next um, grabbed up, the next, I'm sorry, they next um, broke into the apartment of the Haran family. And, and this family, the Haran family, has become a, a symbol in Israel of the ravages of terrorism, and we'll tell you their story, the story of Smadar Haran, the mother, and the Haran family, her husband, Dani, and their two little children, and what happened at the end of this terrorist raid that took place way back in 1979, headed by Samir Kuntar, who was killed, according to most reports, by Israeli Air Force shelling of the house they were in yesterday. And we are none too sad. We are not sad at all. Here is Avi Toledana with Badere Chazara. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for tuning in.
Going back a long way, Avi Taludano, the best of the Israeli song festivals, that was Baderech Chazara. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are uh, in the midst of our discussion about the the killing on uh, on Sunday of uh, master terrorist Samir Kuntar. We were sharing with you the uh, 1979 terrorist attack that Samir Kuntar, at the age already of 16, led. He was at the head of four, uh, a small boat coming from Lebanon with four terrorists, Samir Kuntar and three others. They landed on the beach of Nahariya. Nahariya is the northernmost or almost northernmost coastal uh, town. On the, co- on, the, on the coast of the Mediterranean, just south of the Lebanese border, they killed a policeman, Eliyahu Shacha. They tried to kill Charles Shapiro, but he shot back and got away. They invaded this apartment building in Nahariya on Jabotinsky Street, 61 Jabotinsky Street. And their aim, their goal was basically to take a hostage, two, three hostages with them back to Lebanon and hold them in a hostage deal as we've seen so many times. And now we're going to tell you the story of Smadar Haran. She's become iconic in Israel. So the three terrorists broke into the apartment of the Haran family. Young couple with two little children. They grabbed 31-year-old Dani Haran, the father, and his four-year-old daughter, Einat. Now, Smadar, the wife, and the two-year-old daughter, Yael, hearing the commotion that was going on, they hid in a crawl space above the bedroom, like a boydom, what we'd call, and together with yet another one of the neighbors that was there. Kuntar and the terrorists take Dani Haran and Einat, the four-year-old girl, down to the beach. Their, uh, their, their goal, obviously, is to get back onto their little boat, go to Beirut, and hold the father and the, and the child hostage. But when they get to the beach, there are already forces... Israeli forces there. And they find, first of all, that their boat is no longer usable. They're not going to get away. They're not going to get away. They were confronted by various policemen and members of the Sayeret Golani forces who had already gotten there. So what do they do? What do these animals do? He shot Dani Haran at close range in the back of his head in front of his daughter and drowned him in the sea. And then he took the four-year-old girl and smashed her skull against the rocks with the butt of his rifle. Now remember that Smardar Haran is hiding in the crawl space in her apartment with her two-year-old. The two-year-old is whimpering, and Smardar Haran is so afraid, she's so concerned, that the terrorists will hear the child cry and find them. She doesn't realize that the terrorists have already gone. So she covers the mouth of her baby, trying her best to keep the quiet and save them. And sadly, inadvertently, she chokes the child who can no longer breathe. And so Smadar Haran is left alone, a young woman whose entire family, her husband and two children, are killed in in minutes. In minutes. 
Well, the animal, the terrorist that was responsible, that was the head of that group, Samir Kuntar, was finally, finally killed yesterday. By the way, he was sitting in an Israeli jail, part of a life sentence that he received. He was caught, you remember. But, in one of the trades that Israel made over the last few years, he was given up. And so here we go again. It's a lesson for, uh, it's, it's really a lesson for everybody. We have to keep fighting the same people because we catch them, and then we end up releasing them, which is why more and more people in Israel are for a death sentence for terrorists, and why I think that now, in the current situation where the terrorists are attacking people one by one in the street, people don't feel that there's a problem with shooting them. These are evil people. I don't think we should have too much problem with getting rid of them. Smadar Haran wrote in this morning's Israeli paper that she woke up yesterday to the news reports of the, the, the death of Samir Kuntar, the person who was responsible for the fact that she lost her husband and two little daughters. She says a hidden hand pushed, pressed the button that put the brakes on the uh, bloody road that he was traveling. She writes that at the end of that horrific night, her family was cut down. But since then, I've done everything in order to grow from the emptiness that I was left with to rebuild my life. She has a message of hope and optimism. She said that she made a point of not giving up, of not giving in, of not surrendering to terrorism. And she did everything in order to rehabilitate her life and herself. She built a new family. She studied social work. And she works with developmentally disabled children. And she finds that that is the best revenge against the terrorists. That is her personal victory. And she writes, to my mind, that is ultimately the defeat of the terrorists. That is the story of Samir Kuntar. Israel finally got to him, thankfully. And the story of the Haran family who suffered so much because of him and so many other terrorists. Uh, debuting a new song, Gal Nir. This is called Nishar Lechakot. I like it. Hope you do too. Let us know if you do. We're going to be posting links to all the songs on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Please go on there and let us know if you've liked this particular song or any of the others that we played today, especially those debuting here. Nishar Lechakot, Gal Nir, debuting here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. ימים בצבעים שקצת משתנים לפי הצבע שלך ימים קצת קשים שלנו עוברים לפי הקושי שלך תראי, השניות שעוברות הן אלינו חוזרות ברגעים של שתיקה
Introducing Gal Nir with brand new music, Nishar Lechakot. Here on Dezer Show, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. We have more debuts coming up for you. Jerry Seinfeld is in Israel. Jerry Seinfeld is in Israel. Isn't that great? Well, he gave uh, four performances. He was supposed to give one. They kept getting sold out, and he agreed to give another and another and another, and at the end of the day, he gave four performances. There are video clips. They, By the way, the performances were all in English. Packed crowds, thousands of people. And uh, there are video clips. I guess, you know, everybody has a little iPhone and can take some clips. There's nothing official, to the best of my knowledge, but there's video clips around the uh, Internet. If we, maybe we'll gather some in, Put them on our Facebook page. Post them on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. It was a great show. At the end of the show, um, Seinfeld allowed people from the audience to shout out questions. And uh, one of the questions he got was, um, can you say a few words in Hebrew? And, and he, he basically said no. He studied for his bar mitzvah, and that was more than enough. Then he said shalom, just to make them happy. He was asked if he'd retire in Israel, and then he said no. He'd been to Israel when he was, uh, I believe he said he was 15 or 16. He was on a kibbutz. He was volunteering on a kibbutz like so many uh, American kids during high school were sent by their parents to volunteer on a kibbutz. In fact, he said that while on the kibbutz, and he hated it on the kibbutz, by the way, that is when he made the decision in his life that comedy and stand-up comedy would be the central focus of what he would do, which is interesting. So Israel somewhat has can claim we we can claim some we can claim some part of this uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, success in the world credit. That's the word we can take credit. Oh my, we can take credit for some of Jerry Seinfeld's comedy and the laughter it brings to the world. We have more debut music coming up. First, we'll tell you that the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. We are very proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Nefesh Benefesh is an organization that is totally and completely dedicated to Aliyah, to getting... Jews from the United States to make Aliyah, to make their lives in Israel. They do everything to take that process, which used to be very difficult. And now they've made it as easy as it can be. It's not an easy process. It's a difficult process no matter what. But they have done so much to make the process easier than it was. 
Go on to their website. Take a look at everything that they offer. nbn.org.il. nbn.org.il. And as part of that, we'll let you know that 8,000 French Jews will have made Aliyah by the end of 2014. 8,000, that's pretty amazing. That was a statistic released by the Ministry of Absorption last week. While that number is far below the estimated 15,000 Jews that Israel expected to make Aliyah, the statistic still places French Jews at the forefront of Aliyah for 2015. Polls in the French Jewish community in November indicated that approximately 80 percent of French Jews are considering making Aliyah to Israel. While not all will likely actually do it, the number signifies a massive shift in the consciousness of French Jews and it uh, says much about the uh, increase in Aliyah from France. Ukrainian Jews are the second biggest population. Who would have thunk it? To made Aliyah in 20. 14, that's the number. Haaretz reports that some 7,000 Ukrainian Jews estimated to have moved to Israel. So it's 2015, I guess. Have moved to Israel in 2015. And in 2014, 6,000 Ukrainians, Ukrainian Jews estimated. That, that's pretty awesome still. Absorption Minister Zev Elkin told the Haaretz that the total Aliyah is estimated to be, in 2015, to be 30,000, a record high for the past decade. Yep, 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 yep. It continues. Israel is becoming, it is already the center of the Jewish world and will continue to do so both in numbers and in content, if you will. Noam Banai is the son of uh, Israeli star Meir Banai. He is uh, obviously a member of the famous Banai family, the music and entertainment dynasty in Israel. And he is now throwing his hat into the ring. This is brand new. I believe it's his first release ever. Noam Banai with Etz Alone. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to debuts on the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Etz Alon Mula Shamaim Shorashav Thank you. 
No Ambani. It's alone. Brand new stuff. And yes, as we mentioned, it's going to be, uh, we're going to post the links to all the music that we played today. All of it on our Facebook page a little after the show, facebook.com slash the Israel show. And that, that is also where you can comment on things that you've heard us say. Oh, and something we posted at the end of last week. I thank our friend Benji Kramer, Rabbi Benji Kramer from Yeshiva Flatbush, for calling my attention to this. Those of you who uh, have learned Mishnayot at any point in your life, you're probably familiar with what's called Mishnayot Kahati. Mr. Kahati was uh, a very, very special individual. He was... He, to the best of my knowledge, he wasn't even a Rav. He had a, he had a regular job. He worked at his regular job and uh, in his free time, he wrote what is probably one of the best modern explanations of the Mishnah, going word for word, word by word, and publishing what's called Mishnayot Kahati, He's since passed away a while ago, and uh, I believe members of the family have taken over the publication of it, or have sold the publication to others. I'm not 100% sure, but what I can tell you is, there is now an app. It's uh, it's for the iPhone, iPad, and so forth. I, don't, I do not know if it is also available on Android, but there is now an app in which the entire Kahati Mishnayot, everything, is free, free. On one app, it, it's like a gift from heaven. So we have the link, and we pinned it to the top of our Facebook page, page posts, so you shouldn't have to go looking for it. There's a link. Click it and download this free app. You will have something, by the way, that, you know, in, in the previous decades, you would get it as a gift for a bar mitzvah, for a wedding. It was very expensive. You have the entire thing on your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod. It's amazing what a world we live in. Everything is available. Torah is is out there. Well, major controversy in Israel over an organization called Shovrim Shtika, Breaking the Silence. We have touched upon this organization before. And I have said here that I believe they are a vile, vile organization. This is a Jewish organization, and their goal is to point out that the Israeli Defense Forces behave in a immoral, some would say barbaric way, in their treatment of the Arabs. Now, there's so many parts of this that are wrong. Number one, this organization is funded. It is funded by the European Union and foreign governments and those also involved in BDS movement whose goal is to hurt Israel. So even if the organization, which is headed up by, by Jews, clearly Israelis, claims that all they want to do is they want to do good for Israel by exposing the problems so that they can be fixed. They're in bed with the BDS movement and with the governments around the world that want to boycott us and and do so. That is where their funding is coming from. Now, that may not be enough to tell you that they're a vile organization. Fine, I agree. The next part that one needs to know about this organization is that they roam the world, they travel around the world, including to the United Nations, to give testimony, to testify against the IDF, against the Army of Israel. And they go around the world saying that they have testimony from hundreds and hundreds of soldiers and putting that all together they come away with the idea that the Israeli Defense Forces is a barbaric army 
that has no moral backbone or fiber. And we know that is just not true. And we also know, and this is the key, that of course there are soldiers within the hundreds of thousands over the years, if not millions of soldiers that have had interactions with Arabs. We know that there were those who did bad things. And we know that many of them were court-martialed. Whether they they fired upon Arabs with no reason, or they used excessive force, whatever it is. Many, 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 probably thousands, were held to the standards of the Israeli Defense Forces, the highest standards, more moral than almost any other army in the world, if not any, if not to say that more moral than any other army in the world, and have been punished. So to take those incidents and claim this is the face of the Israeli army is vile. And then to take that and instead of reporting it to the Israeli authorities, to the army authorities, like some other organizations do. Look, I have no love for Mahsom Watch, for B'Tselem, for these other radical left-wing organizations that seem to care more about how the Arabs are treated than they are about how the Jews are treated. But, at the end of the day, when they see something wrong, or when they film something wrong, like Mahsom Watch that gives out cameras... They don't go around the world and tell and, and tell everybody else about it. They take that evidence and bring it to the army. Now, again, I don't like that. There are enough people out there who want to get us. But if that's your goal, then do that. But Shavrim Shtika, breaking the silence, they don't even attempt to do that. They say straight out, we don't take the evidence to the army because it won't help. And now to the next step. They don't tell you who's making the allegations. All the Almost all the allegations are anonymous. Well, then nobody can check it out. And they could be lying. In fact, there's a video where uh, Avner Gvaryahu, one of the heads of Shurim Shtika, testifies before the United Nations. And he claims that when he was a soldier, he saw... He heard about, he knew about killing of innocents by the Israeli Defense Forces. Well, if that's true, if he in fact did see that, first of all, is that true of all the soldiers? No, he saw isolated incidents. Well, why didn't he report about it? And if he didn't report it to his commanders, then he's, he is implicit in it. He's complicit. Is that the word? Complicit. He's a participant in the cover-up. Why is he now talking about it to the UN rather than at the time when he was a soldier and saw these incidents talking about it to his superiors and trying to stop it? The bottom line is that Shovrim Shtika has really crossed a line that almost everybody in Israel agrees should not be crossed you can have we know this in Israel there's radical leftists in Israel who will take Jews to the Supreme Court they will they will do their best to stop the government from working against terror by let's say destroying homes or other things they're looking out for soldiers that are doing something wrong but at the end of the day all those organizations do so internally they don't do it with the aid and support of BDS movement. And they don't take it around the world on tour, like Shavrim Shtika. The Shavrim Shtika goes around the world with displays of how the Israeli soldiers are doing this terrible, these terrible things. Shavrim Shtika, quite frankly, needs to be shut down and surely not supported and we have to realize that in a democratic society there is room for almost everything but that this probably not probably this crosses the line
Alona Larchik, member of Poogie, came out with a brand new song. It's called Sheer Baradio. <laughs> and we're going to play the Sheer Baradio Baradio. <laughs> right here, my name is Mayor Wagner, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Kilo 
The new sound out of Israel um, coming to like their material, Roni and Island. I think that's how you pronounce it, Roni the Island. going to try and get more information about them. We have a bunch of songs that they released. That was one of them. Very nice sound, sort of uh, Simon and Garfunkel-ish. Maybe that's why I like it. You're tuned to the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're, uh, we are on the Nachum Siegel Network. Just posted... Uh, on our Facebook page, the uh, video released by the uh, Israeli government of, um, we called it Sharvit Ksamim, and we said it was Magic Wand, but uh, they translated in English into something else completely called David's Sling, which is a very cool English name for it, David's Sling. It is the continuation of the Iron Dome. It's, it, is, it is the latest in the Iron Dome type technology of shooting down missiles. What they used to call the Star Wars uh, uh, defense, how appropriate for this period of time that Israel is, uh, releasing the positive results of its tests. And we'll, we'll, um, leave you with some, uh, with a nice, nice story and something for you to uh, check out. The Israel, the National Library of Israel, Sifriya Lumit, put up a collection called the Iran Laor Collection. Online, they digitized, I believe it's hundreds, it's 1,500, 1,500 ancient maps of Jerusalem and the Holy Land. This includes survey maps of Eretz Israel beginning, beginning in the mid-19th century, modern maps of Israel's cities in Israel, before, after, there are very ancient ones. There are maps from Rashi's writings, from the Rambam's writings. It is a fascinating collection. You can just browse through it and just be fascinated at how over the generations, over the centuries, over the millennia, Israel was portrayed in pictures and in maps by uh, by Jews around the world and non-Jews as well. Um, 
we will post the link to the collection on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. But if you want to find it on your own, you don't have Facebook, etc., do a search for Iran Laor Collection, E-R-A-N-L-A-O-R, two words, Iran Laor Collection at the National Library of Israel. And we'll end off our show with Galiatarian Mitriot, not before we say thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday! Immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingart reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Again,